Welcome everyone to the podcast of the Open and Embedded Insurance Observatory, where we discuss use cases and success stories of embedded insurance. My name is Vanessa Altrichter, and today we have Mark Hajar with us, who is the Director of Insurance at Houdinki. I'm so excited to have Mark on, um, on the one hand, because I really truly believe that Houdinki is a great success story, and on the other side, I'm a big fan of Houdinki myself. For everyone listening, um, Mark and myself, we're actually in an office together. We're both located in New York, so this is a little different than usual, but but definitely nicer. Yes, yes. But thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Perfect. Um, for everyone not knowing who Adinki is, what you do, um, just a quick background of the company and then into your role. Sure. So Houdinki is primarily a watch-focused uh, editorial website and also an e-commerce platform. Uh, we pretty much are resources to the watch community. So think of watch enthusiasts of all different levels. So whether you're uh, just an aspiring collector or you've been buying watches for many years, Houdinki tries to be the place for all things watches. Um, so, and then insurance kind of was born out of that, which was uh, our, our executive team knew that getting insurance for watches, let alone any type of collectible, was really hard. Uh, normally, you have to talk to a broker, um, you have to fill out a paper application, and there's lots of emails that get sent back and forth. So Hodinkee Insurance tries to solve a lot of those problems while catering to the needs of the community that we have. Yeah, perfect. And I'm, I'm always surprised of myself how much time I spend on your side. And just, <laughs> if I'm interested in any watch, uh, looking up, you know, what have you written about it? So I can see basically it's Hodinki is on one side on a, a content provider, but then customers also have the opportunity to shop like watches on your site? Yeah, so basically our business model, uh, so we started primarily as an editorial platform where uh, our writers would uh, comment on uh, new watches that would come out in the marketplace, salient news about watches and collecting. Um, and then we kind of morphed into uh, a e-commerce site uh, that uh, was informed by our editorial content. So the business model is called content to commerce. So getting the readers that we have, uh, being able to serve them relevant products that we know they're going to love. Okay, perfect. Um, maybe into your role and when you started and how the topic of insurance was initiated. Yeah, so I started at Hodinkee uh, a little bit uh, over a year and a half ago. So in the summer of 2021. I think I'm remembering that correctly. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. COVID, COVID yes. start time. Yeah, really fun time. <laughs> um, and insurance at that point had, uh, or rather Hodinkee insurance had been around for uh, about a year, a little bit under it. It launched in the early fall of 2020. Um, and from then until when I started, it really had just been organic growth um, for the product. Uh, there, we had one uh, full-time staff member who was a licensed agent, um, and really the product was growing so fast and so well that they figured they needed someone to come on and 
really manage not only the day-to-day, -day, but also the, the strategy and, and growth of the product. Perfect. And um, I'm wondering from an evaluation standpoint of what policies to offer, I'm assuming on a jewelry side, it's, it's relatively straightforward. You know, you want, uh, what is it, like damage protection, theft protection, um, share a little bit more about the policies, what was in place at the time you started and kind of where did you take that experience to? Yeah, so the policies have been the same pretty much since its inception, which is um, it's a valuable articles policy uh, exclusively for uh, personal and private collectors. Uh, so we don't cover dealers or any commercial entities, um, but it's also a zero dollar deductible policy. Um, and in terms of what's covered, it's all of the, the major losses that pretty much a watch or jewelry lover or collector of anything really is looking for. So that's um, mysterious disappearance, um, theft and loss, uh, damage. Uh, those are pretty much the, the big three types of losses that really kind of anyone who wears washes is, is concerned about. Okay. And would you mind walking us through the buying experience? Let's say you buy a watch on your site um, for your current customer. Mm -hmm. What would that buying experience look like? Yeah. So for Hodinkee Insurance? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, we, in, we purposely made the sign-up process, um, or to use the insurance term, the application process, uh, really streamlined and simple. Um, so pretty much... People can do it either on the Hodinkee app or on the Hodinkee website. And uh, we take some basic bits of information about you. So we need your name, your date of birth, your address, um, some other bits of contact info. Then we ask you some questions about what types of watches you want to insure, what the value of those watches are. Um, and depending on some other, some answers to your questions, we could put you into some other workflows to ask you more, okay. uh, but in an overwhelming majority of applicants, you get to see a quote at the very end of the process. Okay. Um, and when you see a quote, we take your credit card number, and um, in a lot of instances, you get coverage on the spot. Wow. So, and is that for watches that you are providing, um, or a customer has bought through Hodinkee, or is that also, let's say, I'm buying a watch, but also I'd love to add my other watch to this policy and my ring. Yeah, so pretty much we can insure any watch, whether you bought it from Hodinkee or from even one of our competitors. Okay. Uh, so that's the really nice thing about it, which is we wanted to cater to all different types of watch lovers. So we realized people buy watches from not just us, but a variety of other places. So you can insure those watches with us too. That's incredible. Now, Fama, how many offers, quotes, is a customer seeing? Is that one premium that comes out at the end of this experience? And does the customer, let's say, purchase with a carrier or do they purchase actually with you? Yeah, so they see one quote. Okay. Um, and that quote is um, for uh, the policy underwritten by Chubb, and they pay us as the agency, and uh, so it's really one seamless experience. Okay, incredible. Yeah. And is that branded to, let's say, Chubb name? Is that visible, or is it your front and center because you're the trusted, um, I guess, the trusted brand in this experience? Uh, it's a bit of both. So okay. we really... Uh, lean heavily on Chubb because we're no, we know that they are 
the the best. Yeah, have a great. Name. They have they've got a great yeah. name, great name recognition, uh, and we make no uh, attempts to hide the relationship with Chuck. They've been a great partner in all of this. Perfect. So yeah, we really want customers to know that the policy is a Chuck policy. Perfect. Now, from let's say someone purchased, um, do they see that right at, let's say after checkout or um, get an email afterwards, or how do you prompt them to make that buying decision? And how would you measure success? Yeah, so uh, a customer can get a quote from us in a variety of different ways. Uh, the most common one now is actually people uh, coming directly to our insurance website and getting quotes directly there. So we've got, um, it, it, it's, it's a blessing, we've got tremendous name recognition so people come directly to insurance.hodinky.com to get a quote. Um, but when you do buy something from Hodinky, uh, you do get uh, an email very shortly after kind of putting insurance front and center. Okay. Yeah, we've noticed that uh, we've got a, a good success rate of getting clients to purchase insurance right after they buy something because it's just, it's top of mind. I, I can see that. I would not want to... I guess the most uncomfortable moment is leaving a, a store or, or buying something and having it in your home and it not being insured. You want that time frame to be as short as possible just to truly have peace of mind with a pretty valuable good that you, you just purchased. So. It, exactly, because I think a, you know, a lot of watches, um, especially once you start to get into the, the big brands uh, that have name recognition, um, no matter who you are, it's you're spending a, a good amount of money on this. So you you want to be able to protect your investment in some way. Absolutely. Now, in terms of how you went about evaluating which carrier to work with, mm -hmm. I know you it was already in place when you started, but do you have more of a background on what what that process looked like? Um, what really was the driver for your team to sell insurance? What was it? because it's the perfect time, you got the customer information, and here you can add an additional product, just on one side, carrier selection, offer selection, but also on the other side, business decision. How, how was that made? Yeah, oh, those are all really good questions and I'm gonna to try to answer <laughs> every single one of them. Um, so we pretty much decided to start insurance uh, because we knew there was just a need in the marketplace for being able to insure either just one watch, uh, which may be the watch you inherited from your father or a family member, or the watch that you bought when you got a promotion, um, or just even a small collection of watches. I mean, there's so many people out there who uh, don't consider themselves actual collectors of watches or anything for that matter, uh, but they own something or a few objects that when aggregated together are uh, substantial value. Mm -hmm. So how do you protect them? And we knew that traditional homeowners policies, which is the, the fallback that a lot of people use in the event of a loss, we know that they don't really offer adequate protection for collectibles, yeah. um, especially kind of at this luxury watch price point. Sure. Um, so when we were uh, starting the insurance product, we looked around for a carrier and we wanted one that was known in this space of kind of personal lines and, and high value collections. Um, and we also wanted one that was going to be really customer focused. We know that 
we value at Hodinkee, like the customer experience above Absolutely. everything else. Um, and we knew that Chubb has uh, an amazing track record with customer service. I mean, their claims department is staffed 24 seven. Yeah. And when you call their claims lines, someone picks up uh, within a matter of minutes, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that was really how we kind of found our way to Chubb. Um, and they've been an amazing partner from the get-go. Perfect. Um, and then from a, from a business decision, understand, you know, uh, from a, I guess the, the value prop to the customer is you're saying almost closing the protection gap of they, they were not buying these policies in the past. They really didn't know where to get them. Their traditional HO3 or homeowners policy, um, you know, wouldn't allow to add it this seamlessly. Um, so I guess that the true value to the customer is having the protection at the right time and place in an extremely seamless experience without having to, you know, add an endorsement to your homeowner's policy that might not meet your needs. Exactly. I think one of the biggest bits of feedback that we've had throughout the life cycle of Hodinkee Insurance is that like we made it really easy to take out insurance for a watch or any valuable for that matter. Uh, you you mentioned it when someone traditionally wants to add a watch to their homeowner's policy, they have to kind of contact whether it's their agent or they have to contact the carrier. And typically the carrier, you know, they are not experts in watches or any sort of collectibles. They've got really rigid guidelines that oftentimes um, are just impractical for, you know, your average person to, to meet. Um, so with this policy, it's uh, incredibly simple. Um, and they, this is a, a lot of customers' first interaction with, uh, you know, whether it's like a, a valuable articles policy or Chubb, let alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, maybe going into learnings along the way, from personal experience, mm -hmm. I, you know, uh, I realized that you roll out something first, but really there are so many iterations, there are so many changes, there are so many things you want to still improve in the future. So maybe if you could highlight a couple of learnings or changes you made along the way, maybe even in the experience, because you've heard from customers what they prefer, what they want to have changed. Yeah, so we have, I mean, I personally learned so much even over the last couple of months. Um, I think the biggest uh, in terms of buckets is kind of how do you talk to customers about insurance in a way that is, um, you know, effortless and very clear because I think a lot of people think about insurance as legalese, as, you know, uh, confusing, as unnecessary. So how do we basically communicate that, no, no, this is actually quite simple and straightforward and we're not here, we're here to protect what you bought. Um, so that's one huge learning. So just kind of how to communicate it. Um, another one is, you know, we, we've heard a lot from clients about um, expansion. So uh, Hodinkee's readership isn't just based in the United States. Uh, currently, we can only sell Houdinki insurance in the U.S., okay. but we get a lot of feedback from international readers and international buyers okay. about, like, hey, when are you guys coming overseas? That's great. Yeah, so that's one, you know, 
bit of information we always keep thinking about. Another is expanding on what we insure also. So watches is uh, admittedly uh, it's a small category when you think about all the different types of policies that agents can sell. So considering how we can service uh, one client's needs in other categories. They go beyond just, yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, just the watch. Yeah, so how how can we insure their jewelry? Like, could, can we insure anything else for them too? Yeah. Um, those are conversations that are being led by client feedback. Um, the other iterations we've had has, has really, uh, or have really been based on the uh, kind of feedback we get from our underwriter Chubb on kind of different new underwriting guidelines that they want us to follow. Uh, so the sign up process has had some iterations and we were constantly uh, tweaking that to, you know, to ask the right questions and target the right clients. And also I, I'm assuming, you know, there, you can ask 70 questions, right? right. And get to the absolute best rate and make sure you get all the information. But there's a really fine line between um, making it very seamless um, and almost completely frictionless um, to having the valid information you need at hand to yeah. underwrite a valid policy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, completely hear you. And also on the point of that Insurance language can be complex. So how do you make this information digestible for a customer? I, I have the agent license. I think you said you, you're you thinking about it. Yeah. You have people in your team who yeah. have it. And I don't understand a lot. And um, when I'm reading about it the first time, which I think is always, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we're in this space and there's there are many words that we don't understand um, and how can a consumer so but i think that's the opportunity of a Hodinki who is truly consumer facing and who can make insurance information digestible and understandable um but it's also a challenge right how to combine the the insurance language and the legal copy that might have has, mm -hmm. has to be included in 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 your page to still make it consumer friendly. Exactly. I think that's, um, you know, that, that's where our marketing team does a really good job. Um, so we rely on the marketing team at Hodinkee. Uh, Hodinkee Insurance doesn't have our own, but the, the marketing team at, uh, that we do lean on does a great job at kind of synthesizing uh, the major points of a policy. Um, you know, uh, I, you, you mentioned it, but I am definitely not a licensed agent, so, but it, I sometimes like that because it's, I kind of approach yeah. things as a, a normal consumer would. That's true. Um, but I've worked in this industry of like collectibles insurance and uh, appraisals for like, oh gosh, almost 10 years now. Um, but I totally agree that like these terms can be uh, just, you know, yeah. not natural. Yeah. So just trying to, make those digestible for, for clients in a way that can be done during a really quick application process Absolutely. is important. I think that's a unique value that you have um, to actually not be in the industry forever, yeah. <laughs> but you know, coming from the outside looking in and seeing it almost from the same perspective as the customer would which I think makes the experience so much better. Exactly, and that's pretty much kind of how I, I came to Odinke Insurance, which was uh, for years, um, I've 
known that people who either collect or inherit uh, anything from jewelry to fine art, uh, they oftentimes, you know, after they get an appraisal, the number one question is, okay, how do I insure this piece now? Because they realize it's valuable. Um, they, they could appreciate in value and it could be an asset for them. So how do they properly protect it? And a lot of kind of traditional insurance agents uh, kind of, they're not interested in insuring one painting because uh, it's not, you know, they, they're looking for other clients who want to insure not only one painting, but an entire house and, you know, some cars too. Uh, so it basically, that, that market is underserved by the current insurance landscape. So when I saw this uh, product, I was incredibly intrigued by it and, and wanted to work here because, you know, they're basically scratching that itch for the watch community. That's true. Maybe to summarize, if there's one thing you could say that is critical in order to make it work, mm -hmm. what would that be? Um, there are probably two, so I'm gonna not answer your question <laughs> exactly. But the first is you, you definitely need a great partner um, an underwriter and artist is Chubb. Um, and the second is that you need a, a great team of engineers and kind of, and, um, you know, really knowledgeable either agents or insurance uh, veterans, because without kind of our, our team handling the day-to-day -day traffic and volume, there really wouldn't be a Houdinki insurance. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, we're, um, a, a technology product uh, based in Hodinki app or on the website. So if that didn't work, and if we didn't have people to answer the questions, uh, hundreds of questions we get every day inbound, you know, it would it would very easily uh, get sticky fast. Well, good good two points. Now, in terms of your your agents that you have in house, what does that look like, and and how many of the customers actually want to connect with someone? before closing on a policy. I feel like often the embedded is positioned as so digital and hands off. And mm -hmm. once it's, you know, implemented, then it's done. But there seems to be a human element here as well. Yeah, there's it's a huge human element to this, which I think probably a lot of your listeners wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, so uh, you have to talk to an agent um, at Hodinkee Insurance when your collection uh, exceeds a certain value, uh, just because at that point you're you, you've got a lot that you want to insure, and we got to and we have to make sure that you've got proper security in place. You, we have to make sure that you are who you say you are. Uh, so that's when an interaction with an agent is required. Um, for your average policyholder, a lot of people don't ever really need to talk to the agent. Um, some people have really simple questions that don't need to be answered by an agent, like how often do you bill me? Or, okay. you know, um, check out the FAQ uh, section. Yeah, like look at the <laughs> FAQ section. And so we do have uh, a person who's dedicated to like those lower touch points. Um, and I think just during the life cycle of a policy or during your renewal, you know, you may write in with some questions around like, hey, I'm having trouble you know, adding or removing a watch from my policy. Like, can you help me okay. do that in some way? So there are a lot of instances where, you know, a human is needed. Okay. Uh, but the, the process is, is low touch for the most part. That's great. Um, I personally am, yeah, 
if I would insure something super valuable, I would like to have the option, right? The option to talk to someone if I need it, not sure, but yeah, yeah just to have the option. Um, coming to the challenges, what would you say is the biggest challenge, was the biggest challenge that, that you're facing? Uh, oh, that's a really good question. Um, a challenge for us has been, um, I think it goes back to what the learnings were, which was yeah. marketing has been something that we've always uh, really kind of paid close attention to. So like I mentioned earlier, how do you talk about insurance to, you know, how do you, how do you translate insurance to like a collector of anything? You know, how do you make them realize that this is something that's worthwhile and, and worth their attention? Because I mean, for a lot of the customers before getting Houdini insurance, they say they keep their watches in their sock drawer. So oh yeah, how do you convince someone who's been doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that they need insurance? Um, so really kind of the, a lot of challenge, the challenge is the same as the learnings, which is like, how do we talk about this in a way? Like, how do we market this in a way that we're targeting like the right people uh, for insurance and not just like anybody who has a watch? Yeah. That makes sense. And I think also often, I think I get, we have to be aware that customers are buying in a non-insurance environment, mm -hmm. right? Hodinkee is not a carrier. Customers don't come to you to necessarily initially as right, no, exactly, buy insurance. Yeah. So the buying experience is a very different one than if you go to large carriers websites and buy there, you have the intent of going there mm -hmm. for a reason. So um, totally agree that that is something pretty critical to figure out of how to you know message according to the relevance of the journey that the customer is in, which is in the Odinky experience. Yeah, exactly. One thing we even toyed around with that to that extent is um, you know we're primarily um, you know uh, a, a content platform first around watches and watch news and then we're secondly uh, a commerce website for similar watches so how do we write editorial content for the hodinky website about insurance in a voice that is true to the brand uh you know true to the insurance policy but is also interesting to read yeah. so that's been yeah a really interesting uh, line that we le we've learned to walk. So, you know, telling personal stories around, uh, you know, our, our agent wrote a, a really nice story for Mother's Day last year around uh, his mom who ended up owning uh, three pretty valuable watches, uh, even though she never really bought them herself. She kind of inherited them or were gifted these watches. Um, so he wrote about how she started to think about, you know, whether it's taking out an insurance policy or kind of protecting these investments that she came to own. Um, and that story did really well uh, on, on Houdinki. And so many can relate probably. Yeah. So kind of telling stories about it, you know, the importance of just being good custodians for these valuables. Um, resonates really well. Do you see, because you spoke about international, the international aspect as well, 
Um, first of all, do you sell internationally or is it just the content that's available internationally? So on the e-commerce side, yeah. we do sell internationally. Okay, yeah. okay. interesting. Um, and do you, this is from personal experience, but do you feel like the um, buying appetite for insurance on jewelry is different in Europe than in the US? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'll give you a background. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, um, when I, so I moved to the US five years ago and I feel like here it's very much you buy, you know, here are more expensive rings that people get <laughs> because it's the US and people get bigger rings and yeah. they buy bigger watches. In Europe, that wasn't really the case. So when I told someone, yeah, I got something insured, they're like, really? Like, wow, you know, and here it, it seems to be more of the norm to do that. Is that something you see as well or, um, or, or not? It, that's a that's really interesting. So the the feedback we've gotten on this is admittedly anecdotal. It's from p potential clients. So of course they're the ones who are going to say, "Oh, I would totally buy this." Um, we've got uh, those the the geographies, the international geographies that we hear from the most um, are people in Canada, the UK. Um, France. Those are the okay. those are the three countries that. Well, I'm German, so yeah. probably <laughs> probably that's why. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, German has reached out yet. No, no yeah. I, I'm I'm sure they have. <laughs> it's probably somewhere in our inbox. Um, but they're the, those are the countries that we get the most inquiries from. Okay, interesting. Uh, about kind of when's insurance coming to me, um, and and the definitive answer to that is I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but there's definitely you know a culture here in the US that is more focused on um, looking at collectibles, whether it's a watch or jewelry or art, um, also through this lens of an asset class. Um, so I think having that lens makes it a little bit easier to talk about insurance um, here in the United States. Absolutely. Well, those are all the questions I have for you today. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I was here chatting with you. Thank you so much. I think we could go on forever and ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for the insights. I really think this is a great success story. I hope many are able to learn from this um, and to see how a company can pivot that now even some are looking up Podinki insurance um, and try to, to ensure valuables with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Thank yeah. So no, thank you. And if anyone wants to check us out, it's insurance.podinki.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Bye.